podcast episode 102 this is something a little bit different we are what section of hold on we are with michael pelzar correct yes, that's, right? that's right that's right all right cool. that's right all right um we're on staten island what area of staten island are we at we're in pretty much the geographical uh, center of the island at historic richmond town the historic richmond town all right Yes, in the middle of the night, almost. In the middle of the night. And, <laughs> Sitting in and my, my, my other half, Nikki, is joining us because this is right up her alley. So this is all, this is all good and this is all perfect. Um, all right. So everybody who has, has listened and have been a long-time listener, whatever, you kind of know the gist of what this podcast is. It's really, you know, music-related and stuff like that for the most part. But with a few guests that weren't music-related, you know, I've had couple actors and this and that whatever so right now we're doing some spooky shit <laughs> it's a little bit different um but i'm here with with mike and he is going to explain no pressure dude it's like a conversation None it's at all. everybody knows that this is what this is what happens with this podcast it's completely conversational if somebody walks over and says hello we'll say hello <laughs> if they're here or not you know yeah, yeah, you never know. <laughs> so cool. So you started a group. Well, you know what? Let's let's go a little bit of. I mean, not your personal life, but your background as far as where you grew up, where you live, this, that, and the other thing. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. So I was born and raised on the island. Uh, my dad was also a lifelong islander. Uh, my mom's family came here when she was really young. So you know, all pretty much all I've known is uh, Staten Island growing up, um, and. I was always that kid who was into weird stuff. Like, I made my grandparents take me to Salem, and, you know, I awesome. all, all that all that stuff. I used to love Halloween. I, I still love Halloween. Was um, this as, like, since, like, like, a little, little, little kid? Young, very young. Do you, is there, is there, that's funny, because is there, like, a certain point, maybe, that you can kind of pinpoint that might have made you take the route that you did? So, I, it's so long ago that I don't, know that I remember a specific thing, but I do remember being a really, really young kid and watching, like, Disney movies for the first time, but loving all the villains in the Disney movies. Okay. And I remember, like, Snow White, like, the the evil queen has this castle with a dungeon and, like, books and rats and cobwebs, and I just remember thinking, like, even then that, that I just thought that was you cool. Were, yeah. You were drawn to so the there you go. So, so exactly. that's, so that's yeah. your little pivotal point. Mm-hmm. All right. That's cool. It all makes right. sense. It, it, yeah, totally. It yeah. makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. So it's been a lifelong commitment for sure. Hey, that, that, that's all. I'm not mad at that. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So go on, man. Uh, and, you know, from the time I was young, my parents were really good about kind of letting me 
be interested in what I was interested in. So they took me to uh, historic places and and uh, you know cemeteries and haunted uh, locations. I remember uh, my first camera was only a gift because I wanted to take pictures of headstones. Like I was going, like I must have been like 12, 13. And your parents knew this. And my parents knew it. And and they... That's awesome that they co-signed your weirdness. They did. I think by that point they were, I think by that point they knew it was uh, not something that they could get me away from. Awesome. Yeah. But, you know, and I always found it interesting that we had so much haunted history on Staten Island. And at first I only knew a few things. Richmond Town, uh, you know. I hardly knew anything. It's not well exposed. Like, you kind of got to do a little digging, right. pun intended, to, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, I didn't even get to that. find the info. But, right. but, you know, it's not really, it's out there. But when you start looking into it and, and hearing from other people, then you start to realize that it's a, it's a ton of stuff. And it goes all the way back to the colonial days. Absolutely. So, right. Long history. Revolutionary War type shit, too, and all that stuff. Yep, Absolutely crazy. So we're sitting in Richmond Town. We're outside, by the way, for people who are listening. We're sitting at a damp picnic table <laughs> in, what would this be called? Like the, It's like a little courthouse like this is district. Historic. Yeah, it's, it's yep. historic. It's a, it's, I believe they call it a uh, historic village. It's actually yeah. the, it's the biggest uh, historic village in New York City. Yeah. Okay. It's original. Weird. Yes. These are, so, the ori- yeah, these mm-hmm. are the original structures. I don't know if they've been redone because what I was saying to you before we actually started. Yeah, but. rolling. So I started coming here. My earliest memory of this place was when I was in kindergarten, possibly first grade. And I think every year throughout elementary school, we did a trip here. So when I heard you guys were coming here, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to go and check it out. And it's pretty much the way it was, um, you know, clean and neat, the way it was back in, uh, you know, Eons, yeah. eons and decades ago. <laughs> I think it's so cool that they bring uh, schools here. Like, I remember going here. I never as a heard anything about this stuff, which is weird. I don't know, because, like, you know, you were talking about, like, you know, as me as a kid, I mean, people who listen know this. I'm sure I've said this a few times in previous episodes, but, like, you know, I'm very fascinated with, like, serial killer stuff and true. That's so freaking cool. <laughs> Anyone hear that? The background there? Vicky's excited. Right? That's so, pretty cool. It is kind of cool. <laughs> oh, it's shit. genuine, too. It is. It's completely genuine. It's like a bell in the background. Like, all right. <laughs> like, how lucky could you get? Yeah. yeah, it's perfect. So, I mean, like, I'm very fascinated with and always have been with, like, true crime and serial killer stuff and stuff like that. And I remember, like, my kind of pivotal point was when... And people know this story, too. But as a little kid, I remember fighting with my older sister over the... Cause remember, well, you're, you're young. Like, so <laughs> back in the day, if you had more than one television in your house, like, you were lucky. So I had two. Well, I guess I was lucky. I had the little black and white up in my parents' bedroom. And there was the bigger one, which was probably like a 32-inch in, in the living room. And I'll never forget it. It was the same time on the same night. It was like a Brady Bunch, like holiday special or some kind of a special, like long episode, uh-huh. like an hour, two hour movie. And on the same time was the TV movie Helter Skelter. 
Charles Manson. Yep. So I remember in the TV guide looking at the TV guide and I saw this picture of the actor who played Manson and true crime and crime of the century and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just like, I never seen it. I never heard of this man. And I just looked at it and I was just like, I feel like I really need to watch this. Like, this seems like really creepy shit. Mm -hmm. So I got into a brawl with my sister over the big TV because I didn't want to watch this on the little TV. No, (laughs) fuck that. So since I was the younger boy and my mother took my side, she was like, Melissa, go upstairs and whatever. And I got to sit there and I watched it. And from that point on, that was like my my jumping point into like starting to watch horror movies and stuff like that. So that was like my little thing. So, and my parents co-signed all that shit too. And still to this day, we still go to horror conventions. And shit like yeah, that. it's definitely not a phase for everybody. No, it's not a phase. I find it fascinating. Uh-huh. So I don't. I, that's why. It's so like I, I'm very intrigued with all of this kind of stuff. And like, I'll get into it later on. But like, I never really believed in quote unquote ghosts and apparitions and spirits and energy and all that stuff. Like, I never really did because it never cross my path and I just heard shit you know alright alright great oh yeah is that what it is okay yeah whatever great oh you saw this alright great oh the lights went on and off alright great well it's the fucking fuse or the bulb burnt out whatever so but I never heard of like I never got into in depth so that's why I'm I'm kind of ignorant for lack of a better word to where we're at and how I never heard of this stuff because I just never I guess went in this direction and had really like a reason to no, search totally. up historic ghost things on Staten Island. I'm like, right. yeah, yeah, there's ghosts on Staten Italy. <laughs> All right, whatever. You know what I yes, mean? But yes, apparently yes. there's a thing and it's 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 old and I like creepy. to call uh, Staten Island New York City's answer to Salem. Uh, I know everybody thinks of the pasta and the bridge, but right. there's so many historic sites like Richmond Town. Uh, which is the biggest historic village in the city. So, you know, we have costumed actors and stuff walking around the streets sometimes for the mm-hmm. yeah. for the school tours. Uh, you know, they have archives with old photos and, and papers from, like, the, the 1600s and stuff in, the, in their uh, museum collection. Uh, Richmond Town was founded in, like, 1958. And at that time, some of the original structures were right here in their original mm-hmm. spots, but some were dispersed across the island. So what they did back then was they bought some of these historic houses and actually moved them across the island on, like, trucks. So, you know, my dad was around uh, when, when all this was going down. My, my dad, uh, he remembers a time when they delivered milk to the front door. Oh, yeah. You know, so. uh-huh. I, I remember the times they were delivering milk to the front door. I don't remember that. And the trucks would come down our street. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It's a place that has a ton of history. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And there's a small cemetery out here, and that obviously was not moved. That was, that was an really original there. structure. Yeah. I mean, it's, structure it's, like, there. it's like 20 feet by 20 feet. It's really little. It's a really small cemetery. It's um, the Rizzo Van Pelt Cemetery. It was a family cemetery. The Van Pelts, huh? Mm-hmm. That's, those are two old Staten Island families, and I don't know all the history about them, but the more time you spend in cemeteries on the island, the more you'll see some of the same names, and uh, the Van Pelts and the... Rizzo's are, are two of those, you know, important families to the history of the island. Okay. Um, and this cemetery is really unique uh, because, number one, it is a family cemetery that survived, which is really rare. Uh, what wound up happening to a lot of the homestead cemeteries is, you know, the farm gets sold, divided up, 
somebody ends up with a patch of grass with 20 tombstones on it, and they take them down. They mow them down. They they throw them away. People don't even um, know they're there. Right. Exactly. You don't even realize that there's people buried. Yep, and that's and you know that's what happens uh, often with those little cemeteries. But this one is, you know, in good shape. The fence around it is preserved. Uh, The fence is a really unique fence because it's wrought iron, uh, but it has a winged hourglass like on each section of the fence, and that's a symbol that you see on some early tombstones, like colonial era Mm -hmm. tombstones. It means that, you know, time flies. Yeah. You only have a limited amount of time to live. And, you know, it was a warning. Uh, people back then, you know, they felt very austere. They felt, you know, you didn't know if you're going to heaven or hell, predestination. So, you know, you just had to really live the best you could yeah. to avoid, uh, you know, suffering in the afterlife. <laughs> so it was all very grim, you know, yeah. back then. They had headstones with skulls and, you know, very uh, not comforting death imagery. Right. But this is, you know, unique because it's on a fence. So yeah. most, you know, it's it's very uncommon uh, yeah. in cemeteries. And, and we don't know why those two families did that, what their, their whole idea of not putting them actually on the tombstones but putting them on the gate. You know, it's it a very ornate. It's a very ornate gate, yeah. so it probably was some kind of status yeah, symbol. Exactly right. Yeah, um, They could have easily put up like a wooden picket fence right, or something. Exactly. So, and you know, the the actual entrance to the cemetery has a on the uh, the entrance port. There's um, like a face of a woman, like an angel face. Okay. So it, it's super detailed and, and carved. So I think it was probably some kind of you know, hey, we're important gesture. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah without mm-hmm. a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like. It's it's yeah. so fascinating. We, we, we do daily, God, we do this on the weekends. We go out to Greenwood all the time. Oh, it's beautiful. And yeah. so we, we, we've kind of made it a thing. And we go out there and we, we take a look at all the beautiful tombstones and the architecture and then the history. We found some really fascinating people there, too. But that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. But I'm totally into the, the, um, the, the idea and the history behind why people put things on the tombstones the way they did. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, you guys go out to cemeteries out here and you restore them. Yes. Like, I started seeing that stuff. Is, is it just you or you have oh, friends? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. So, on the island, there's a nonprofit called Friends of Abandoned Cemeteries. Okay. And it's a, you know, 501c3 nonprofit organization that uh, is charged with the maintenance and reparation and cleaning of uh, historic cemeteries on the island that are you know, either at capacity, so nobody's getting buried there anymore, or, you know, just simply forgotten about. Like, maybe there's grave spaces, but, you know, they're not getting used. And, you know, some of these cemeteries were sitting for 20, 30 years or more, totally overgrown, uh, weeds everywhere, headstones on the floor. So this group comes in and, you know, will raise funds to uh, write the headstones and clean uh, the the area so that it's accessible to people. It's a really good and interesting cause. What's uh, the name of it again? Friends of Abandoned Cemeteries. Okay. And the executive director is Lynn Rogers, who was a, became a member of our group. So when I saw that Lynn was in our group, I reached out to her, and you know I just I introduced myself and I told her that you know hey this is us we're Spooky Staten Island we really want to get involved you know we want to help because. You know, as fun as all the the creepy stuff is and and interesting as it all is, I think the best part about starting the group has been that it's an actual community, you know, of people who care about and respect the local history. Sure. You know, we're not just going in trampling over uh, headstones to get our pictures and things like that. You know, we we want this to be uh, accessible for the next generation, too. So getting back to how you 
and how you formed Spooky Staten Island, because you said it was fairly new. Yeah, it was. So how, uh, did, how did you give birth to the whole idea of doing this? I mean, you were fascinated as a kid, which I totally get, because I was the same exact way from a very early age. But what made you decide that, you know what, you want to make this a thing, and you want to create these groups, and, yeah, and no, how did you go about doing that? Totally. So it, was, it wasn't a, a plan thing. Like, I didn't have love a plan. Love this guy. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Me? I love him. You guys like, are awesome. I'm like, so is this great. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thank you for making me uh, feel <laughs> comfortable. No problem, man. Because, uh, you know, I get a little nervous. With Don't worry. There's nothing to be nervous about. No, no, just, just shooting the shit, man. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, no, it it wasn't really like a planned thing that I said like, oh, I have a great idea, so I'm going to do these steps to make it happen. It kind of just sprung about from a bunch of different things. I heard about Friends of Abandoned Cemeteries a long time ago, and I thought, wow, that's cool. I don't know how I can get involved, but I'm definitely interested. So, you know, like that was kind of in the back of my mind. Um, I'm also a photographer, so every year I do a photo series yeah, called 13 Days of Halloween. I saw that on yeah. your Facebook page. And I release, like, one picture per day on the 13 days leading up to and including Halloween. And, you know, I started that just because it is something that I love and I just wanted to do it. But what wound up happening is that a lot of people would, you know, stop me and, like, ask me about it, which surprised me. Like, you know, people that I didn't really talk to that much would say, I just wanted to let you know that I really like this series that you're doing. And it just became, like, every year it got a little bigger and a little bigger. And it got to a point where I, where I said, like, oh, wow, I guess there's enough people interested in this kind of stuff that, you know, I want to do more with it. I want to uh, maybe create a space for just that kind of stuff. And so that was a seed in the, uh, you know, process. And through work uh, during my day job, which is not affiliated with the group or anything, but I work for the uh, Nacotra Foundation. So... They uh, do a lot of charitable work on Staten Island. It's a corporation that owns a bunch of businesses, the Hilton, the Hampton, Lorenzo's, the Commons Cafe, which is a restaurant that gives 100% of its profits to charity. Um, really? Yeah, so they do a lot of good things on the island, and they give out grants to uh, different nonprofit groups through the cafe. So since 2011, they've given uh, more than $800,000 to Staten Island nonprofit groups. Wow. So That's that awesome. really... You know, my experience working there really inspired me to, if I was going to do something, make it something that would have, like, a real positive impact um, on the community. And then, you know, one thing led to another, and then I said, I like spooky stuff on Staten Island. Maybe there's other people who would be interested. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, it's kind of taken off, so I'm happy about uh, that's that. That's just fantastic. That is really, it's really yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking cool, man. It's crazy, and everyone tells me, like, I had no idea that this was on Staten Island. Like, Yeah, well, obviously, so me too. You're, what you're doing is gathering up all of those spooky haunted history, and you're bringing it to this group, and just, is it more informational? You're doing tours, like... You get, yeah, you're going to wind up doing like a tour absolutely. or something like that? Yeah, this, yep. yeah so what, 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 yep. are you, what is it? Like when I saw you guys, it was like a, I, I don't even remember what happened. I was like flicking through. And I, I'm always searching spooky stuff because my whole life is just about spookiness. I love that. That's it. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my whole, my whole life. It's my whole existence. Yeah, yeah no, I'm the same way. And so. Um, so anything that I could find for us to do, it's like, let's try to do this or, you know, go here. So I'm, I'm scrolling. I'm like, on Staten Island. I'm like, wait a minute. What is this? And I saw cemeteries. And I'm like, what are these people doing? Because I love going to haunted houses. We love going out. We go out to um, Philadelphia. If you've ever been to the um, asylums out there or 
uh, the prison and, and the Mutter Museum. Yeah. And, yes, 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 yes. Eastern yes. State Penitentiary. Yeah. And stuff like that, that loads of history loads. there. Too. Have you have you ever been? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yep. So it's awesome. So here I am looking in like sounds like like a hop, skip, and a jump. Like what's what's up with these people? What are they doing? Yeah, you're like twenty minutes away. You know. So I wasn't sure if you were doing tours or if you were just if you were just. Um, you know, an online group just yet, or if you were actually going out. Then I saw you were doing the summer tests. Yeah, so, like, you're kinda, it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. So it, what like, are you, yeah, what are you, what I are you wish, as far as as far as your tour, walking tours. I don't know. I wish that I had uh, sat down and really like made a plan before starting everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure um, it's well, you didn't realize that it was going to no, take off no, like it is. No, so that's a like good thing, all though. that stuff wasn't what you I need had. a trolley I thought we oh, have to like, get you a trolley that would be you awesome. need a friggin trolley that would be awesome <laughs> I'm fully on board with the trolley idea yeah if you got any rich listeners who'd like to donate a trolley to uh, right. Spooky Staten Island <laughs> there you go hit me up <laughs> there you go that would be you awesome. need a trolley but uh, yeah so we're working on merchandise right now enamel pins shirts things like that you need um, merch you need merch you know and we want people to be able to wear it and you know do stuff like if they volunteer somewhere or you know we want we want this to be not the people that you see on the corner and cross the street because you're afraid. Right. We want it to right. be, you know, yeah, like we like spooky stuff, but we also love Staten Island. So right. we're not going to gr- jump out the bushes and grab you. It. It's, exactly. It's a respect thing. I get it. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, we're going to be doing, uh, you know, tours and not only ghost tours, but, you know, just visiting historic places. Yeah, I was going to say, just like the history stuff. Like there's, there's some things, like I know that you posted, like the did you know stuff, like crazy. Like, How crazy. do you find out? Like, so, what do you do to get your information on Spooky Staten? Like, how do you do your research? So, a local historian, uh, Patricia Salmon, has some great books about Staten Island history uh, that I would recommend. Like, if you're if you're starting to look into it, if you're curious, if you totally. have an idea to name them, maybe, because, because I think the best one is uh, called "Murder and Mayhem on Staten Island." Love it. Just like a lot of interesting <laughs> stuff that happened in the past. Uh, you know, there's also, I just go on Google, look up, you know, Staten Island history, sure. uh, the usuals. And then, you know, like the, like Snug Harbor has a museum, uh, mm-hmm. Richmond Town has archives. So, like, there are firsthand materials that you can access. Um, I haven't done that yet, but that's on the agenda, too. Like, seeing if I can visit some of the archives and get some firsthand source material right. for the blog. But, honestly, a lot of our members have been telling me things that I didn't know. Like, in the group. Yeah. Like, somebody will say, oh, uh, anybody ever heard anything about this place? And then somebody will comment, yes, that's the old uh, trolley barn or that's the old, uh, you know, Chrysler Mansion or whatever. And then these stories get told on the comment section. And I'm like, I had no clue. I wanted to do this, on the, have... I wanted to do this on the front porch of the Chrysler Mansion. <laughs> Which would have been awesome. Yeah. But you it, can't you know, get in there. But, but private I, property. I, yeah. Is it private property? Does someone it actually is. live there Somebody. Right so I don't know if somebody lives in it, but it's owned by somebody, like a particular person. Yeah. It's for sale, I think. Last I saw, I don't know. I know it, it was, old. and it wasn't. I don't know if it's if it's currently on the market, um, yeah. but that's another place with a lot of you know. Do you, what what do you know about it off the top of your head to fill some people in about the Kreischer? No, of mansion. course. So, Balthazar Kreischer was a brickmaker back in the day, brick baron, right? Um, and that's how he made all his money. Um, and Kreischerville was the name of what is now Charleston in Staten Island, mm-hmm. okay. it's towards mm-hmm. the South Shore, um, and. There's uh, actually right near the mansion, there's a line of green historic houses that were built for his workers, you know, at the brick factory. 
and uh, the the street in front of it is still an original brick street with Kreischer bricks in it, so it's perfectly preserved. Um, and the mansion itself was one of two that Balthazar built for his sons. They were like right next to each mm-hmm. other. Okay. And uh, the other one burned down. The mansion that is standing um, was the home of, I believe, his son Edward. And legend has it that some kind of business disagreement or personal issue arose and Edward actually shot himself. Um, and people say that, you know, they can hear wailing in the house sometimes. His, his wife, people have guessed, might be uh, haunting the house. Um, also, more recently, a uh, mafia hit actually took place there, right. I think in the early 2000s. So the house does have a little bit of a history. Yeah, I, I've read a little bit of it. He was, he was a hitman for the mob and he killed somebody, but then he burnt the body in the basement of the mansion. Yeah. Oh, jeez. That's pretty fucking <laughs> That's heavy. That's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. crazy. So, uh, definitely a house with a lot of personality. Yeah. You, you so, I wanted to go right so, on the right? front veranda and record oh a podcast. That'd be awesome. Bring the Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sick. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's, there's another one. I don't know off the top of my head. What was the. What there's, um, I don't. I, I don't even know if it's still standing. It's like a, it's it's a it's a house, but it looks like it's made out of all stone. It's uh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. I, I, let, let me find it. But you could you could you could refer to your notes if you want, bro. <laughs> so that there's no like. No, absolutely. So I just wanted to. Uh, no. If you guys weren't familiar with like the back background of Staten Island, like back in the day founding of Staten Island. I wanted to tell you a little bit about talk that. To, you're not just talking to us. You're talking to a lot of people <laughs> listening to you, too. <laughs> so for everybody, uh, right. for everybody, uh, Staten Island was named Staten Island in 1609. Uh, Henry Hudson saw it from his ship, the Half Moon. Um, and it just means States Island in Dutch. So it's very matter-of-fact, as right. the Dutch were. Uh, they were business-minded people, so not like the uh, Puritans of other colonies. Um, but actually, something that I found really, really interesting is that the Lenape Indians, who were Native Americans who lived on the island, they called it. Let him finish. They called it a name in, in their language, which I'm going to try to pronounce. Uh, it's Akwehanga Manaknong which actually means place of the bad woods. Yes. So I it thought does. that was so interesting yeah, that's that, pretty sick. that even that long ago there was this, you know, little hint of spookiness about uh Saturday. Yeah, please share. Many years ago I worked with a trans voice channel, a pretty famous one her name was Barbara Barnett. And I would book her. We became very good friends. I would go to her, we would do these these psychic circles. And she was a trans voice channel and she would channel Lenape Indian. She would. Ch- this is. This was part of her spirit lineage, her spirit guides. And we came out here to. Um, I brought her out here to Staten Island when I was living on the island because somebody was having trouble in a basement, and um, she came to actually do a clearing. And it was. You know, I don't, people might not believe this, but there were Lenape Indians stuck in transition. And they were still warring. They were brawling down there. Yeah, I heard this story. And um, we had about 15 or 20 people down in the circle. And she was wow. doing, you know, this thing. And and it was, it was the irony of it all was that 
part of her spirit lineage was was Lenape. These Indians you know, were Lenape, and what is it? I, I and um, and people began actually speaking in Lenape. And how we knew this was because we had a Lenape woman in the room. Wow. Who actually was blown away by the whole experience. And um, just moving the energy, getting them to realize that, you know, hi, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is no longer happening was a pretty amazing thing. I have stories to That's tell you. That's crazy. That's so, yeah. thank you for telling me that because yeah. I, I find that so interesting. But I could give you a location too. Where was it? I, it was. Um, Spill it. Spill it. <laughs> wait, let me let me try to remember the name of the street. Well, it was off of Bradley Avenue. Um, you got to name some of the main roads where the store was. I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to get you the address because oh, I can't remember the address off of that's really the cool, top of though. my head. And that's the exact kind of stories that the people are telling me in the group now. Yeah. And I think people feel like a sense of relief that there is a spot to like tell stories like that. Because, you know, I'm sure you know. Well, other people don't think that you're you batshit crazy. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I get you know, it. And our group is a non judgmental space. Awesome. There's people who don't believe and there's people who believe, right. but, you know, we're absolutely not going to have right. people, you know, invalidating other people's experiences. And that's, and that's pretty awesome because people do have experiences. And not everybody's going to understand or believe, but unless they experience themselves. Right, right exactly. So, exactly. So I think that it, it's kind of cool. And I think a lot of more people are becoming more in touch with the fact that, you know what, there is a little bit more than just what we see here in our dimension. And people are getting comfortable with that, too. I mean, just from, from my circles and people that I talk to, it just seems to be, it's starting to be, like, you know, become a, there's a rise. I think there's a lot of interest in that yeah. kind of stuff now. Yeah. Maybe there always was, but I think maybe now it's... Uh, People have their people, like, you know, exactly. through online and, and other things. Yeah. And people feel like they can talk about those kind of things. And, like, you mentioned that you, as a as a kid, were interested in true crime. That was, like, your first... Uh, that was my, my gateway, I guess. My right. gateway drug. And now you see all the docudramas that are coming out now about serial killers oh, who yeah, were yeah. famous oh, yeah, like in the 70s Bondi and 80s. And right. Stuff, yeah. So I think people are kind of revisiting events that happened in their youth with an adult eye and... And, you know, it's something now that can be talked about. It's not one of those subjects that you brush under the table. Well, because what you're dealing with, when you're dealing with the older generations, everything was taboo. Everything was taboo. Whether people were churched or not churched, everything was taboo. Yeah, and it's just like like a lot of superstitious and all that stuff. But now people, I think, are a little bit more open-minded. I think so, definitely. You know, and accepting of, of things and willing to listen. Rather than be like, uh, you know, pull out yeah. the holy water. Because honestly, <laughs> like, yes, yes, yeah. I mean, there's guaranteed there's some people listening that are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> because I was the same way. So, you know, let's, let's, you know that's a fact. But No, listen. totally. Yeah. And that's okay. Because, yeah, you know, like I said, I haven't had any personal experiences either. But just the value of the history alone is what makes it worthwhile. I have a feeling you're going to start to have some experiences with all these people. You're, you're not gathering. the first one who has told me that, so I'm kind of bracing myself for... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, could be, uh, it could be interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I kind of got myself into this, so... Yeah. Have you ever had your aura picture taken? Or No. No? Dude. No. Mm-mm. She made me do the aura picture. 
It's no, weird. I never have. It's just, it's so incredibly fascinating. They use Carillion photography and they pick up heat sensors of your aura, which, which emanates about nine feet off of your body. And people are very skilled in learning or in, in, in reading, you know, the aura based on its colors. You've never done that. That I've heard. I have heard have about it, but I've this. never. Yeah, we did it. You it's, need it's to have a out. festival and you should bring everybody here. That sounds like a great idea. I used to do that. I booked for, I told you, I used to book for George Remini. That's awesome. You should do it. Especially here because people, I mean, even back in the 90s, were very, very interested. I think we're I think that's super interested. interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so, too. Going to have to file that one away down the to-do list. Yeah, yeah for I sure. Will, I will send you over info. <laughs> yeah, I was always interested in this, but now I think more so now. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like there's, like, I'll, I'll say, I'm not going to get into details and stuff like that, but... You know, as soon as as soon as I met you and I saw that you have you have, you have a hoodie and it's and it's like a Ouija board, right? So I know that Nikki here is uh, an enthusiast, I would say, um, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And you know, like for for a long time, like like she would be like, oh yeah, you know, I went on the board, blah blah, blah. and I'd just be like. Whatever, like, whatever. It, it was made in like Malaysia by like some poor slave kid, and it's shrink wrapped, and you could buy it in fucking Toys R Us. Whatever, like, I'm not having it, right? It's spooky, ooh, whatever, you know, ooh, creepy. No, kids and play think, with that. I right? think a lot of people feel that. Of way. course, and, and a lot of people do, and I'm, I'm honest. That's what I thought, right? But then she kind of schooled me, like, like, listen, Jim, like, stop being an ass, and it's. It's not the board itself. It's it's just a tool. And it took a little while because I'm stubborn when it comes to certain shit unless you prove me wrong. You know what I mean? Like, And it's the truth. Like, I'm fucking... My hand's in the air. Like, that. that's me. Like, I ain't believe in shit until I see it. That's just how I am. I'm just always a skeptical... That's exactly what he said. Yeah. I ain't believe in this shit until I actually see that's something. That's right. Absolutely. So, so... One thing led to another, and it's like everybody knows, like, there's a whole story with my mother, and this is stuff. Like, I told, I did a, a whole podcast of, like, my abridged whole life story where I get into stuff like that. Um, so, people are kind of aware of, of my story of my life and whatever, to a degree. But um, I don't remember exactly what had happened or whatever, but Nikki one day was, was like, was asked me, she's like, you know, you want to go on the board, maybe your mom will come through. So, right, skeptical asshole fucking Jimmy Blast Furnace over here. I'm like, whatever. All right, sure, why not? Right? <laughs> so then, see, because I went into it, like, with this with this stupid attitude. You know what I mean? And she told me right off the bat, she's like, like, stop being a dick. Like, you, you can't have that kind of an attitude. No, the energy just... So, so, then, so, then, so, so, so now how I interpreted that was like, well, if it's going to work, it's going to work no matter what my attitude is. Like, prove me wrong. Show me what you got type <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep, yep. So then now I felt stupid, even though it's like my daughter was there and, and Nikki's there and, and it's just me. And she takes out the board and she's just like, well, ask for your mom. And I felt stupid, even though I'm around my family. It's just like, oh, God, here, here we go. Ma, are you here? Like, I just felt like an ass. This is the first time I've ever did this. You know what I mean? Maybe as a little kid just being stupid, not knowing what I'm doing. But, um, and then shit started moving. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, but you're moving that. She's like, I am moving it, but I don't know where it's going. And then, and now, like, I won't get into details, but there is certain shit 
that we've been together almost three years, and there's just certain things in anyone's relationship, whether it's your friend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, that in regular conversations, just certain things just don't come up for whatever reasons. Yeah, you know what course, I mean? There, there's course. just things that there's no reason to even think that or for that to be involved in any conversation about anything. So once I asked for my mother, then, you know, she was like, she said, yes, it's, it's on yes. And then... Shit, got lit. No, 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 but, but at first, but it, it did though. But but at first, like the first thing, she, it was it said, it said hi, Jim, and I'm writing this down, and I'm just like, I'm still thinking like, yeah, he whatever. hated me at that point. I'm like, I'm like, listen, Nikki knows my name is Jim. She's like, okay, yeah, hi, Jim, whatever. And then the one little, the little pivotal point is that word again. One little pivotal point is that every once in a while. My mother would say this, and and the next thing that came through was, it just said, my baby boy. And that's something, like, I would never have a conversation with her, like, yeah, every once in a while, my mother would call me her (laughs) baby boy. Like, that's just something that just doesn't happen in normal conversation. So that happened, and I'm just like, "Uh, uh uh-huh. Like, it made me raise an eyebrow. And then she got into details about certain shit. And then I'm just like, huh. Well, and, I'm asking, and then I find myself, I'm getting myself all worked up. And I'm like yelling down at the board. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and she's just like, dude, like she's in the room. Like you don't have to yell at the board. Like we're right here. She can hear you. But I don't know. I'm just getting worked up. This is foreign to me. You know what I mean? But then it's like, you know, certain things came through and it's like, Certain names came up, like like legit names that I'd never. Once again, there's no reason for me to even bring these people up or this person up in any conversation, because of the context. There's no reason to bring it up, and I kind of let it. I kind of sat back as she was spelling out names, and I wanted to be like blah 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 blah, but I let it go to see where it was going. And then, like, I could, like, three quarters of the way through the name. It's like, I knew that it was undeniable. So I spilled it out, and it's like, yes, bugging out. And then, like, certain shit was going on. And, and I'll be honest, like, I broke fucking down. Like, I, I saw shit, and, and there was certain shit that Nikki would just not know. It's certain shit that she just wouldn't know. So I got up, and I kind of tried my best to hold myself together because my child was there. You know, my daughter was there. And I think she was skeptical, too. But now she's like, every once in a while, she's like, can we go? Can we talk to my grandma? And stuff like that. And she's, she's not scared of it. Like, she's, she's, learned, she's learned that it's not something to be scared of. If Poor Mike's like, what the hell did I just get myself no, no, into? No, I'm no, teasing right. you. I'm, so, I'm so just I had, teasing to, like, I had to, like, walk out of the room. And I think because my daughter, she was, like, eight at the time. Like, she never saw me, like, break down, ever. So it's like I walked away, and like I think like she giggled, like oh my god, like my dad's crying, like that's silly, you know, as a kid would think. And then she came in into the room, and she hugged me, and she knew that there was like something bothering me because I witnessed something and saw something with my own eyes for the first time in my life about something very close to me and very dear to me and very serious that was proven to me in front of my face. Yeah, I'm just for, you know as far as like who I am and you know the things that have happened to me divination has been in my family since I was a child 
both of my grandmothers used it in um, all different forms. So I've always speak up, so I've always been around it, but I was raised Catholic. So in my house, with my parents, it, it became kind of a taboo thing, and my grandparents know. But when I was old enough to go out and actually learn and educate myself, there was a wonderful place in the city. It was called the Source of Life Center, and I just don't know if it's there anymore. But I studied there for a long time with different teachers, and every now and then, I don't know if you're familiar, but the New Age um, Expo will come around. And back in the 90s, that's where you, you met all of your teachers and you took all of your courses. So even though, you know, I'm a Jesus freak, I'm not going to lie about that. I love, I love, you know, love them. And um, I still have this, I'm very drawn to, it's so heavy to use the word occult, but facts are facts. So, you know, I'm very, very drawn to it, both dark and light. And, and I'm not afraid of it. And my children are the same exact way. So I, for many years, did not do anything when I gave birth to my, my oldest son because things you know you open up you open up certain doorways you know you, you, you end up whatever um, but later on after a, a 14 year walk you know with the church and all that stuff it's like wait you know you talk about these gifts and all these things and so I kind of you know found myself back into that place again and I don't find it you know spooky per se I just find it very natural so you know i um, you know, I, I, if divination comes up, I'm there. Like, I want to totally. learn yeah, learn more about it and, you know. It's really interesting that you say that about growing up Catholic but still being interested in, you know, things like divination. And, right, absolutely. Because in, uh, in the 19th century, you know, that kind of stuff wasn't regarded as anti-religious. You mm. know, people had seances in their homes. Grover Cleveland was gifted with a Ouija board when he entered the White House was a different time when the Ouija board was first created in the 1890s and it's Ouija is a brand like Colgate. Yes, so yes it's, absolutely. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a kind of talking board. Right. Um, but it was a craze and it swept the nation and, you know, I actually, uh, before Spooky Staten Island, I volunteered with and I still do the Talking Board Historical Society and that's another nonprofit group. Didn't that even know there was one. It investigates, uh, you know, the history of Ouija. They actually erected uh, two headstones for the person who patented it, and another for the uh, lady who named the board. Is that here? So the Talking Board Historical Society is an online-based. Collectors from all really? over the uh, country kind of form this loose affiliation. Uh, you know, they were interested in the history, and and so like what wound up happening is that they kind of went to uh, places that that were important to Ouija and they, you know, looked through newspaper articles and uh, online and eBay and they kind of pieced together the the history of, of the game. Um, I actually have a bunch of boards from dating back, you know, the er- oldest one that I have is from the 1890s and I have ones uh, from like the okay. 1920s. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's really interesting and there were a ton of brands, um, you know, Espirito and, and Gypsy Witch and all these, you know, names that don't mean anything to us, but at the time, yeah. it wasn't like it was Ouija and that's it. There right. was loads of they got like a monopoly on boards now for sure. Yeah. But you know, back then it was it was big business, and I think wartime also did that as well. People were seeking yeah. you know answers, but people would go to church and and have seances uh, the day before. And, and isn't it amazing how all of a sudden somewhere around the what 1960s, 1970s, it became taboo. Tabby. And I think The Exorcist probably Thank had a little you. bit to do with that. Yeah. Um, because it was I bet such a lot of people a, didn't even realize who were listening that, that 
Ouija is actually just a brand name. No, so very many few people, people just mm-hmm. know, oh, a Ouija board, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, very few. Anything people. could be used as a talking board. That that's what she yeah. told me. And I, that's I, what they, yeah, any, that, anything you could sit right here. You could yeah. write the alphabet Absolutely. on this. Side. Yeah, that's what she anything. told me. That's when. That's what I meant when she said before. What she told me back then was like, "Don't look at it. It's, it's not the board itself. It's just. It's, it's a, just yeah. a tool. It's not." That's what I was trying to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You explain that. I think I butchered it, but yeah. <laughs> no, totally. No, I. I think that's exactly. And you know, you mentioned like it's it's just a tool. Right. So that's what I always tell people. I'm like. The board is not going to jump up and bite you. You know, it's... I have a silly question. No, go ahead. When you collect your boards, do you cleanse them? I don't. I don't. uh, I'm just not inclined in in that way. She's fucking bugging in the head right now, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay, because if you're not inclined that way, then you probably wouldn't be affected if if it was you. I just ask these questions. No, totally. It's pure curiosity at this point. Now I'm just so curious about this guy. No, no, and that's something that people have asked me before, (laughs) too. Like, you know, I have a lot of stuff that I bought from yard sales and estate sales and antique stores. Oh, so you got it. You let her in there. She's going to fumigate your house with sage, the whole thing. So how how do you feel? This conversation is so dope about (laughs) Lorraine Warren passing. I know it was. I couldn't believe that. Uh, I was so well, close. She was ninety-two. Lorraine so Warren. close. She had a long to meeting long her. Life. So close. I wanted to meet her as well. Yeah. Now, do you do you follow like not religiously, history? but I'm familiar. I'm familiar. <sighs> okay, because she's she's like she's a hierarchy, you know, in all things spooky and and with paranormal oh, yeah, totally. investigation and stuff. And their like museum that. has uh, which is so many. Uh, but it's not it's not open at this time, from what I understand. It hasn't been for a while. They were rezoning, but mm-hmm. yeah, I was just curious if you if you followed the Warrens or yeah, like any it, of their work. You know, I never I never really followed any paranormal investigators or anything, but I heard about the stuff. You know, all of it interested me, but not in the way I think that some people are interested in in ghost hunting. And like, I've never been on an actual you know ghost hunt with an EVP or anything like that. That kind of stuff, as interesting as it is to me, just wasn't the way that I went about learning about this right, kind of stuff. Right, right, yeah. Like, I spent, like, m- the majority of my time, like, in cemeteries and, and taking pictures of old buildings and, you know, much more on the historical, historical aspect, sure. even though the horror and everything, like, that's what I love. Like, I love horror movies and I love scary stuff yeah. and, and, you know, The Conjuring when it came out was yeah. so cool. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, like, I wasn't, I didn't go down the uh, ghost hunting roof right. just for whatever reason. Okay. I don't know why. It's just not wasn't your path. Whatever, that's cool. But they're but people are kind of yeah, yes. they're gravitating. Yep. So it's it's kind of of course and like a tree. You know, like yeah. I'll gladly organize events like that. That's and so cool. and I'm not closed off to the possibility of having an experience because a lot of this people the people in this group are people who I knew beforehand who I would never have thought would be vocal in a group like this, and they're telling me things, and I'm definitely not about to write off their experience right. because these right. aren't people who I even knew were interested in right. stuff like that. And there's no reason for them to like to, to bullshit. You right. Know like what, what you know, what right. what reason do they have to uh, and right. especially the group was a closed group at first, so it's not yeah. like the world was seeing it. Right. So yeah. I know it was it was it's it's been enlightening for me. Yeah. What else you got there That's in awesome. your little note? That's thing? awesome. I just have some uh you know, just some Staten Island history, uh some some famous uh, spooky things on the island. Do what, tell, do tell. What, what's up? With, with, there's this house. Hold on, I'm gonna. It is the old 
Billup House? Yes, the conference house. Built in 1668. Yep. And there's a picture, so it says, as it appeared, May 1911, occupied by Lord Howe during Revolutionary War, Tottenville, Staten Island. Yep. What's up with this place? Because this thing looks like a legit... Like, there's some shit happening in there. No, the conference house is awesome. And the conference house Have was... Have you been? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Many times. Okay. Uh, the conference house was instrumental during the Revolutionary War. It was the site of, like, peace talks during the war. Gotcha. Staten Island was primarily loyalist back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of an area that George Washington regarded as a tough nut to crack. You know, a lot of the people were loyalists. Um, it was also an isolated island. So even if you wanted to be sympathetic to the revolutionary cause, you know, there were lots of uh, British soldiers that could easily surround the island. So it wasn't sure. it wasn't the easiest thing to be a patriot back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but George Washington actually personally recruited a someone for espionage, basically. Um, he was a parishioner at the uh, Reformed Church on Port Richmond, another really old historic place with roots back to the 1600s, um, Joshua Mercero. And he was considered like the father of, you know, American intelligence. So okay. he helped during the war. But the conference house was where the peace talks happened. And um, it's built on, I think, the largest uh, Indian burial ground on Staten Island. That's it's and built on there. Yes. That's like poltergeist the movie. Right. And shit. people have seen, uh, you know, the spirits of Native Americans there. Um, people say that the house is haunted by Christopher Billup, who, you know, it was built for. Um, there's rumors that he may have pushed a servant down the stairs and killed them um, because from the light in the window, there's a story that she would, you know, signal uh, with the candle to um, the revolutionary cause, you know, to kind of be a spy in the house. Um, and there's rumors that he pushed her down the stairs. People say that they see a light in the upper windows sometimes. Um, the headstones of the billups are actually in the basement of the house really they were were, which i didn't know until very recently um but they were rescued from somewhere else um they were you know probably going to be discarded or or something and they were rescued and now they're actually at the conference house they're not buried there their bodies are not buried there yep the headstones are still there yep huh so it's you know that's another place with a lot of staten island history is that does that place have a front porch so that place, <laughs> so that place does not have a porch. Part two of right. the spooky Staten Island. In the conference house park is the Biddle House, okay. and that's another historic house on the island, Greek Revival style. It looks like a southern mansion a little bit. Yeah, um, White House, you know, very pretty, identical on the front and the back. Mm-hmm. And that house has has a porch. So if you want to do something <laughs> in the conference house. They uh, they do have a spot for it. Really? Yep. And that's Can we open. go into the conference house? <laughs> yes, it's open on... It's open... Uh, I don't know the hours that it's open, but it is open for tours. You'd have to check their, their website. I can go down and, like, check out the tombstones yes. and shit? Mm-hmm. They're just the stones, though. I know, but <laughs> I know they're tombstones, but I just want to see them. No, they're cool, and they have the, uh, you know, that colonial death's head. That's what they look like. Sick. They have the skull on the top. Yeah, that's so very awesome. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Now, what would you say, from all of your experiences talking to folks, what, what is, like, the most haunted of haunted places on Staten Besides the apartment I lived in. Like 141.5. <laughs> no. Because um, that shit was fucking haunted. But um, what would you say? Fuck. It was. It was. Okay. I fled that place. And I don't, you know, I don't flee. Yeah, anywhere. so where would you think would be, the, the, like, the most haunted? 
so. if that's like, even like a gauge. No, of course. It so is, I mean, I'm not an expert on gauging the levels of haunted. Yeah, yeah, I figured that. But I, from what, you, from what I've heard yeah. from people, um, a lot of people seem to feel that uh, the grounds of like Willowbrook State School. Totally, because uh, I have stories were, about that too. <laughs> were you know very haunted, and Willowbrook yes. was, if you're familiar with, I'm not um, totally. So it was the subject of Geraldo Rivera's big expose, uh, I think, in the... Was it the it the 80s. I think so. Yeah. And, um, but you know when you say Geraldo Rivera, everyone's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Hey, why don't you? Mm-hmm. You're still digging an Al Capone safe there, guy. You know <laughs> but, I mean? you know, he went in, and that was his big... I think that was maybe his, his biggest, uh, most, you know, well-known... Uh, that was, like, his kind of breakthrough, I think. I don't remember, but it was a big deal for him at the time. And he went in and he recorded the horrible conditions that, that patients there were living in. And, you know, it, it, it moved the state and it moved people and lawsuits were levied against uh, Willowbrook. And, and uh, I think one of the Kennedys actually commented on the state of affairs there. Because that goes back to post-Nazi America. Like, during that time, I don't know how far back you, you researched it, but before they... They were testing on people in there. If you research the history of Willowbrook, they were actually was testing what vaccines. Was it? it was a hospital. Okay, it was a hospital? It was a hospital, but it, they had a mental um, patient ward in there. But when you dig into the, to the horrors of what was happening, they actually used these people as human experiments. They were experimenting with the polio vaccine in there. All these different things, and from what I read, and again, you know, again, these are just like haunted stories, is that many patients died, mysteriously disappeared, were buried on the grounds. Like, you, and, and, you know, is it valid? I don't know. I'm going to say yes. In my opinion, probably was. But it goes far beyond what Geraldo discovered for, for decades, since the 50s. No, totally. It had a, you know, a long history of injustices. Yeah. And, um... Also, it was connected to the um, the murders of Andre Rand, who was a serial killer on Staten Island, huh. and he was an employee at Willowbrook. This I didn't know. The, yes, during the eighties, I believe, and um, he actually killed a number of um, developmentally disabled children during that time, or so is alleged. Right. I don't think that it was ever um, proven definitively that he was involved in all of the murders that were um, that he was charged with. Um, I think I'd have to look it up, but I think that he may not have gotten the murder sentence because he is going to be eligible for parole Shut in twenty thirty something. Really? I think. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, and and that was and that's an interesting whole case because he kind of had you know he lived out in the woods sometimes and he had like this makeshift camp and and they actually found one of his victims in a shallow grave very close to his campsite that he had in the woods. Um, and funny story, not funny at all, my aunt, <laughs> my aunt uh, worked in the A&P, which was a, you know, kind of like a CVS back in the day. Yeah. Sure. And she saw him multiple times. And wow. she saw him buy canned food. And Gosh. she didn't know at the time anything. But, you know, he was put the pieces together. He was living out in the woods and, and eating canned food, basically. Really? And she says, you know, even to this day, she said that he was somebody that she just never wanted to deal with. She just got she a just bad, got the vibe, right? bad vibe. You know, she just, uh, 
even then, like, she didn't, she didn't know what was up. She wouldn't probably, if he was never caught or anything, she probably would have never thought of it again. But he just had that vibe energy, that she, yeah. right, she did not want to deal with him even then. So, Sick. you know, and on Staten Island, that's what we always say, that you either know somebody or you know somebody that knows somebody. Sure. Without so, doubt. Well, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because, like, wow. and like you said, it's, you know, also the history and not just not just the, the ghost part or the haunted part. There's, like, the history part. And, like, I didn't know this. Like I said earlier, like, I'm very fascinated with true crime and, you know, these twisted fucking people. <laughs> but... I saw this. I'm going to read it real quick because I was I had no idea. So you schooled me on something. Well, you've been schooling me on a lot of stuff so far. <laughs> but it was like, did you know? And it says, in the summer of 1924, eight-year-old Beatrice Keel was playing on her family's Staten Island farm when a stranger approached. The man offered Beatrice money to help him pick rhubarb from nearby fields. But the girl's mother intervened, sending him away. He returned later, attempting to sleep in the family barn until until Beatrice's father discovered him and forced him to leave. The stranger was Albert Fish, a serial killer of children and cannibal known as the Werewolf of Wisteria. After his eventual arrest, Fish claimed more than 100 victims detailing his grisly crimes to police. He was sentenced to death by the electric chair. I had no idea. And neither did I until recently. And I, so I read that, and I read it to her. I'm like, holy shit. Like, and Albert Fish, I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to say on the scale of who's worse, but this moment. He's up he's, there. He's, he's up very there. far up He's, there. like, top three. You know, he was a he sadomasochist. He was a very rough childhood. He a very rough childhood. He was terribly... Um, and, you know, he just committed horrible, horrible crimes, and he sent a taunting letter to one of his victims... Uh, Parents, parents, you know, yeah. just, you know, the most gruesome language that you could imagine. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. But you... he was also involved with another murder on Staten Island in Port Richmond. Really? And uh, I don't think that he was ever, again, I don't think it was ever proven that he did it. But it was, this was an actual murder, you know, whereas this girl uh, survived. Right. This uh, was a young boy who did not, and he was dismembered. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, you know, connected him to it. They said, oh, he was, he was uh, all dressed in gray, and he looked washed out, and he had gray hair. That led to one of his other nicknames, the Gray Man. Yes. So, did you ever listen to or hear of? Because I, I subscribe to them and I listen to them all the time. The last podcast on the left. No, dude. <laughs> it's it's one of the greats. It's it's <laughs> it's all about serial killers, true crime, ghosts, aliens, all this, and it's three guys, but they make it. How do I explain it? They they. They talk about the most horrible things that people have done, but you have to lighten the mood. So they kind of make it a little funny. I mean, sometimes, like, they'll warn you, like, this is graphic, this is, like, some horrible shit. But they're three kind of, like, comedians. But everything that they tell you is 110% fact. They do their homework. They do. They have research. Yeah. That, that's their jobs. Like, they are, they're successful, and they have several podcasts, but that's their main one, and it's called The Last Podcast on the Left. And you definitely, they, they, they do, like, a four-part series on Albert Fish. They do all the, they, they quote the quote-unquote heavy hitters, like Ted Bundy, Dahmer, all those. They do, you know, series, but then they, there's all kinds of haunted things. Like, you would love it. It's that sounds the, awesome. It's, you can find that it on iTunes. They're everywhere. The last podcast on the left. 
you know, and I had known about Albert Fish for a long time because of, you know, the true crime circuit. And he's one of those people that right. comes up in, uh, yeah. in blogs and posts and yeah. whatever. And like, I, I thought no I clue. knew. I thought I knew a lot about him, but you listen to these guys and it's like, yo. Like, yeah, and I had no clue he had a Staten Island connection of all things. Me neither. That's why I saw this. I'm like, holy Crazy, shit. Right? Yeah. You know, but um, the island is just is just full of, of stuff like that. What's yeah. your favorite place? Where it's like, what's your favorite spot? I love, um, I've spent so much time at Moravian Cemetery, which is the biggest cemetery on the island. Um, has roots dating back to the 1700s. Really, really a, an amazing place. Um, just to even take a walk if you want to. It's ex- expansive grounds. Um, they have everything that you could, like, imagine that a cemetery should have. They have the really, really old colonial headstones. They have the, you know, huge Victorian uh, monuments. Yep. And they have the Vanderbilt family tomb there. Interesting. And, uh, you know, Vanderbilt was a Staten Islander. Uh, his, his family farm was actually... In, um, in the North Shore, and it actually is today the old Paramount Theater, which is a 1920s movie theater that's very much preserved inside still. Uh, that's another, you know, notable location on Staten Island, but that was the site of his family farm. And, you know, the, he was uh, a captain of industry. He was one of those people that you may learn about in school, Vanderbilt, and his family tomb is in Moravian, and there's two tombs. There's the one that he was interred in when he died, which is a pretty big monument. It has a cloaked angel on the top. It's, you know, totally over the top for a mausoleum. But uh, later in the family history, they use a piece of property that is actually owned by the family, but it's, you know, right next to the cemetery, and it's maintained by the cemetery, where the Vanderbilt tomb that everyone, you know, knows if you've heard of it is is standing, and that's an enormous... uh, Gothic-style uh, mausoleum. It's hmm. it's one of the bigger ones in the country. Really? Um, yep, and that's another place that people swear is is haunted. People have seen the apparition of uh, you know Cornelius Vanderbilt. They say um, some people have. And said, why wouldn't they? You know, some people have said they've heard voices. <laughs> I think somebody was somebody... actually killed climbing the gate to get in. Really? Yeah, trespassing because it's not open to the public. Because it's still active. Uh, right, you know, right, Anderson right. Cooper's mother, Gloria Vanderbilt, um, I think will be buried there when her, you know, her time comes. So it's, it's still, you know, an active uh, piece of the Vanderbilt family history. Wow. So it is off limits. But, you know, these are the stories that people tell about that kind of place, too. Cool. So, you know, everywhere you look, you throw a rock and you hit a haunted place on yeah. Staten Island. So what are, your, what are your plans as far as, like, from right now? Like, what do you do you have anything in the works as far of as... Of course. So to tell us all about that, and then when you're all done with that, tell us... tell. Let's start with that, and then we'll go on to where everyone can find you and all that stuff. So. Totally. So right now we're working on our YouTube. That's what we're trying to get off the ground right now. We're going to go to places and do some interviews and... And, you know, see if we can get some firsthand source material. Um, I want everything to be as as factual and as accurate as possible. Of course. So we're definitely going to start with the historical. And, you know, I'd like to eventually start incorporating people's personal experiences, like your, like your story, like, you know, things like that. Because I think people don't realize how many other people on the island have had 
similar experiences. Come over, you'll see some shit. Right, basically. <laughs> <laughs> basically. 30 years in the making, 40 years in the making, uh, so yeah, definitely. So, right, so you're working on your YouTube stuff, now we need to get you a trolley. Yes, <laughs> we, that would be we awesome. We need to get you a trolley. We a trolley. We're doing merchandise as well, yeah. uh, if that's in the works right now. That's cool. We have a cemetery cleanup coming up, uh, I believe tentatively it's going to be this weekend, as okay. long as you know the weather and everything permits um, we're going to be taking care of a family burial ground, the Slate Family uh, Cemetery. That's another homestead cemetery okay. like this one. But, uh, you know, the one at Rich- Richmond Town is much better preserved than this one. So it needs a little help. Uh, and so we're going to try to take care of that. But funny story about that, too. Like when you say you know somebody or you know somebody who knows somebody on Staten Island, the Slate Family Burial Ground is the family burial ground of my one of my best friend's cousin's girlfriend's family. So her cousin's girlfriend's family and her last name is still Slate. That's their uh, family burial ground. Wow. That's very cool. You know, so that's one of the other things I think that I I think that's one of the other reasons that people have responded so well to this because Staten Island it's a lot of people but it feels a lot like a small town. So if you start talking to somebody from Staten Island about something you're gonna, your stories are going to intersect yeah. in one way or another. There's six degrees of separation. That's like, crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's very cool. Awesome, man. So those are the things we got to get you. <laughs> those are the things you're working on. Now, where can people find this group? And also, what's the name of the the original one? The shit. Where you... Friends of Abandoned Cemetery. That's it. Friends mm-hmm. of Abandoned Cemetery. Do they have a website? Or they have a Facebook page, and I believe that they have an official website, too. Um, right. But their Facebook sure page is... I'm Google it. Mm-hmm. Friends of Abandoned Cemeteries, Staten Island. Okay. Um, if you want to specify your search a little better, their executive director is Lynn Rogers. Okay. Um, and they're a local organization that cleans up and cares for the neglected cemeteries on the island. Okay. As for us, Spooky Staten Island, we're on Facebook. So we do have our official page. It's Spooky Staten Island. That's where we post, you know, the photos that I take, news, uh, the did you know facts. You have the um, fan page and you have the group. Yes. So right. if you visit the official page, there's a link to visit the group. Uh, same name. And that's where we discuss things. Right. That's where, you know, members will weigh in and submit their photos and ask questions. That's also where we, you know, come up with our events. I've tried to make it as diplomatic as possible. So whenever we're going to have an event, usually I make a poll. Uh, with a few date options so that, you know, the one that has the most votes can win. Right. So it's a fair kind of process. Sure. That's awesome. Um, and then we're on Instagram as well. At Spooky Staten Island. Yep. Trying to keep it consistent. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> make it easy for the kids. Yes, that's right. Or the older people who just really aren't savvy with social media. You know, and we do have a lot of members who are older, and I that was something that I wasn't expecting when I created the group. Yeah. So, you know, we have people, you know, someone asked me recently, like, well, who's in it? You know, one of, well, it was someone in my age group. And you know, a lot I was of telling people them about, in it. And they're like, who, who's in it? Like what's, like, what's the person like that's in it? And I was like, no, it's, it's, it's everybody. There's people who are in high school still. There's people who are, uh, you know, in their 60s and 70s. So it's really just everybody. Yeah. yeah. They come with the best stories. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they've been around a little bit they longer. They've got the they, years they behind the years them. behind them. Totally. And, you know, I've heard things from, from them. I remember I posted about the um, mid-air collision that happened over Miller Field on Staten Yes. Island. And I posted about that. And on Facebook, there were people commenting, my dad was involved in the cleanup. 
of that event. Wow. And there was more than one person that commented that too. And I was just like, wow, you know, this is this is what I was hoping for for this to be, you know, yeah. a place where people can come together and say this is something that happened to me and my family and you know, I didn't have anyone to talk about yeah. it with. Like until. I had no idea about that either. Like I'm reading, I was like I had no idea that there was a mid-air collision with two airplanes and debris fell both on Staten Island and in Park Slope in Brooklyn. Like and destroyed shit when it all hit the ground. I had no idea about that. No. I again that was one of those things I learned fairly recently. I was I was yeah. shocked to figure that out. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. And you know, and I and I just uh, I know is, that there's more too, so I'm ready for. Uh, it's such a breath. Of, I know it sounds crazy because some of it's spooky and a little gruesome, but it's a breath of fresh air from everything, you know, that's here right now. You know, that's happening in the world right now. There's so much more, you know, that's happened. History deeper. You know, people are coming together for that in a positive way, right? Right, and I think people, especially now, have a. Uh, a little bit of a negative connotation on it with history, like an eye roll, like well, a exactly. whatever. Right. Well, I said that and, earlier. People probably roll right. on their eyes, but it's, and you know, I it's, think like you with gotta this, you got to broaden your horizons a little bit. Yeah. No, and I think with this, people have because it's a different angle yeah. of history. Right. right. So now, like, whereas I might try to tell you about the courthouse and why it was important, and you might say, yeah, whatever, but when you start discussing it from the perspective of ghosts, as you can hear the bells tolling right now. That's right. Uh, suddenly people are, are more interested. So I think it's it's been working out. And, you know, like these historical events, um, yes, they are oftentimes uh, crimes or tragedies or, or other, you know, things that aren't necessarily the best light of, of uh, humanity. But, you know, you learn from your past. You learn from history. And I sure. think you know, if we keep these things in mind, we, we learn lessons, you know. The, the did you know about Albert Fish, you know, don't talk to strangers, you know, don't let strangers into your, uh, yeah. you know, it, with your child and things like that. Like these, you know, these stories are, they really are real accounts of things that have happened, but, you know, you can learn objective lessons from them. Yeah. Oh, and I think, I think it's important to not shy away from stuff just because it's unpleasant. Because yeah. history does repeat itself. It does. Yep. Unfortunately, right? Awesome. Hey, have you ever been to Sleepy Hollow? It's on my bucket list. Dude. We've been a couple times. Come on. It's on my bucket list. I'm ashamed that that I wasn't there yet. do that here. Well, we do have Ichabod Crane here on Staten Island. You do? You got to get up there for a Halloween and see what they do and how they create this whole entire thing. I've heard it's amazing. It's amazing. The whole Staten Island needs that now that you have your spooky Staten Island. But, like, the whole area of Sleepy Hollow, like, we've gone up there. Yeah. We've gone up the last couple of years, Halloween time, and, like, you just drive down the street and... It's lined like there's scarecrows. And, yeah. I mean, the whole place. It's I mean, awesome. I mean, guaranteed, Sleepy Hollow only thrives during. Like, you know, that's yeah. that, that's like the yeah. biggest money maker that brings people there. But it's pretty fucking cool, man. No, that sounds awesome, and it's so you funny. Got, like, the scary maze that of they course. have and stuff like that, which, which is, is cool. cool. But it's cool. all you know, Halloween, and I've always thought of this as Halloween as well because there's people that love the cutesy Halloween. And there's people that just love horror movies and slashers and whatever. Listen, Halloween, and I think, is, it should not be cutesy. I think <laughs> Halloween should be for everyone at different exactly. stages. So, right. you know, you grow up and maybe it's the cutesier stuff. And, 
and you know then you get older and it, it encompasses other stuff it's about being scared but I don't think any of it is like wrong like I wouldn't say exactly. like oh like you know exactly. as much as I do roll my eyes when I see the uh, smiley uh, scarecrows <laughs> and stuff I do I gotta admit I do roll my eyes a little yeah. but I get it like and I'd much rather that people celebrate that in a way that maybe I wouldn't than if they didn't celebrate it at all. Right. Exactly. But, you know, we speaking of Sleepy Hollow, we really do have the real uh, Ichabod Crane buried on Staten Island. He's here. Richmond here. Avenue Cemetery. He's yep. here. And he was um, the person who Delta whose Delta. name was uh, Washington Irving used it in, yeah. in The Legend of Sleeping Hollow. Apparently, uh, Ichabod was pissed about it because he didn't talk to him for the rest of his <laughs> life. But... He, that is the actual man that inspired the uh, the character. Really? So, Isn't that, see, and I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that he either. He just schooled me. Like I said, like there's just so much on the island. Mike is making us study our lessons. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so I gotta get right hip. Now. I gotta get hip with the Sleepy Hollow. Like awesome. Well, that's good shit, man. Well, I'm glad that this happened. And yeah. this, me this, too. This was easier to do a couple oh, of messages great. this and that that's it was awesome. great thank, thank you guys so much for oh, reaching out anytime and once you know you'll get uh, I'm glad that it's taken off I mean alright this is dropping you're listening to this right now on like Monday May 15th or 16th and you you started this a little over two months ago yeah right and yeah. it's grown into something like you said, like you had no idea. You didn't expect. Yeah, no. I, it, it was uh, it was literally actually a little over a month ago. Like right. I, you know, and I'm. Well, we're on podcast time when people are listening. <laughs> You're right. So then it's right. going to be two months, and it's, right. and I don't even know what we're going to be at then. <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. But you know, so far so good, and I'm just happy that something that's been of interest for me for my whole life is something that other people seem to be yeah. responding to positively. And hopefully some some of the people that are listening will be interested and they'll go to it's at spooky Staten Island everywhere. Yep. Yeah. So Facebook, Instagram, you have a Twitter or no? No, we nah, don't. Nah, we don't have a Twitter. You know, nah, you don't need it. <laughs> Maybe one day if we nah, gotta update people in real time, nah, we get yeah. to that point. Nah, but you really don't need it. Right yeah, now yeah, we yeah, don't. Instagram uh, and Facebook group is where you <laughs> I'm not funny be. enough for Twitter, so uh, <laughs> oh, oh, is that I'll leave it to the professionals. Funny? I don't know. That's what people say they use Twitter for comedy, so. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you go to my Instagram page, which is at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace, the link in the bio, you just hit that. It'll send you to Linktree. It'll send you to everywhere where you can find the podcast, social media, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, all that. So just do me a favor. And if you listen on iTunes, just do me a favor and just leave a review and rate the podcast. It helps me up in the rankings, gets more people to listen, and that's all I ask from you. So once again, Mike, thank you very much, buddy. Thank you. Thank it's you, a pleasure Mike. meeting it was you. So thank awesome. you so much. And my co-host for this episode, <laughs> my, my my other half, <laughs> Nikki. Thank you. You're, well, thank you. <laughs> and we're over here now.